Hi, and welcome to the History Respawn Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. Today's episode features my conversation with Respawn Entertainment's Peter Hirschman about their VR game, Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. Before I get to that interview, however, I wanted to say hello to our new listeners. It's been a couple of months since we've released a podcast, and in that time, the downloads for the show have nearly doubled. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, apparently we, we may be the only show on the internet where our numbers actually go up when we don't publish something. <laughs> um, so in case this is your first time to listen to the show, uh, welcome. Uh, but also let me tell you uh, some of the other places online where you can find our work. Um, so History Respawn is a show that features historians and other scholars considering historical content in video games. Uh, and this includes games like Assassin's Creed, Sid Meier's Civilization, Oregon Trail, uh, Medal of Honor, you name it. Uh, and we've been doing this for nearly 10 years at this point. Uh, and the show started as a YouTube series, uh, but it also now includes live streams and a podcast uh, that you're listening to right now. Uh, so in addition to talks with academics, this series is also included in-depth conversation with game developers about history games, as well as reports uh, from game development conferences on the same topic. And this past year, History Respond introduced its first limited series called Civs 101, uh, which features in-depth historical analysis of Sid Meier's Civilization series. Um, we're hoping to keep that series going. Uh, this year. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, so coming up this summer, uh, we're hoping to expand our offering of shows, uh, doing some more live streams, uh, as well as doing a little bit more writing uh, on our website, historyrespawn.com. Uh, we'll see if we stick to that. Uh, and the show is run by myself, uh, Bob Whitaker, and uh, John Harney. Uh, and we are, uh, you know, everyday academics. Uh, and so uh, it's a little bit difficult uh, to find the free time uh, in our full schedules uh, to get this work done. Uh, and sometimes we're more successful than not, uh, hoping to keep the work going, however. And you know, usually you can expect some sort of output from us uh, every single month. And the best way to keep track of our work uh, is to uh, follow us on historyrespawn.com, uh, supporting us, uh, liking and sharing our videos on YouTube, um, you know, sharing our podcast uh, with whoever might be interested. Uh, and then if you really like our work, maybe consider uh, pitching us a few dollars uh, on Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash history respond. Uh, okay, I think that does it for an introduction. Uh, it's nice to have you along for the ride. Uh, and so sit back and enjoy this next episode. Hi, and welcome to the History Respawn podcast. I'm your host, Bob Whitaker. On today's episode, we're doing something new for the show, talking about virtual reality. And in particular, we'll be talking about Medal of Honor Above and Beyond from Respawn Entertainment. Above and Beyond finds the player taking on the role of an OSS agent in the Second World War, a perspective that should be familiar to players of the original Medal of Honor. But unlike previous games in this long-running series, Above and Beyond ditches the traditional console for a VR headset, allowing the player to interact with the digital past in a whole new way. In addition to a single-player campaign and multiplayer modes, Above and Beyond also includes a digital gallery 
that features a set of virtual reality environments and short historical documentaries, including the Oscar-winning short Colette. Joining me on the show today to talk about Medal of Honor Above and Beyond is the game's director, Peter Hirschman. Peter, welcome to History Respond. Hi, Bob. <laughs> it's good to see you again. Yeah, it's great to see you. Uh, so, Peter, could you tell our audience, our audience is kind of made up of uh, players, but then also history instructors, could you tell our audience about your personal history with the Medal of Honor series? Ah, I mean, that that the the origin of Medal of Honor is uh, is a fun one. It started back in 1997, uh, which which now in 2022 is so long ago, but it was... Um, <laughs> It was back in the days of uh, DreamWorks Interactive, which was the video game wing, wing of uh, DreamWorks SKG, which was the studio that Steve Spielberg started um, with David Geffen and, and Jeffrey Katzenberg. Um, and uh, you know, we had been going for a few years. We made a dinosaur game, uh, you know, off uh, off the Lost World. Um, and um, when we wrapped that up. Uh, Steven and, and look, Spielberg is the smartest, the smartest, most generous, just all around great human beings that, you know, the planet's ever seen. And, and he genuinely is a gamer um, and, uh, you know, had, had consoles in his office, had, you know, the, it, had, there was a, a stand-up arcade, um, you know, of, of, of stand of arcade machines imported from Japan in his production offices. I mean, it was, it was, he, he knew what he was talking about and, um, and DreamWorks Interactive was, was definitely, um, I, I think, a, a passion of his and he, and I, and, and the day, the coincidence of when this happened is, is still, still boggles my mind, but it was November 11th, 1997. It, it was Veterans Day, 1997. He, he came by the office and he had just come back from Europe um, where he had wrapped principal photography on, on saving private Ryan. And he's like, look, I, I, and, and, and he said, I want to make a world war II game. And, and again, this is back in 97 and he had the foresight to know that the games would only get bigger and bigger and bigger as, as, as a form of entertainment and, and more importantly, mainstream entertainment. Um, and he, what he said about private Ryan uh, and there's some, dramatic irony to this in hindsight but it, he was look i just made this movie it's it's a hard r it's it's violent it doesn't pull punches and you know it's not for kids kids it, it's it's going to be rated r and you know kids are more and more spending time with games and learning about the world uh through games um and you know he lamented that when he was growing up not only was he surrounded by by veterans who were there entertainment was saturated popular entertainment was saturated with world war ii you know, and I remember him talking about like Victory at Sea was on on TV. Combat, you know, move, you know the the you know a lot of the films in the cinemas were 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 about the war, and that had that had kind of disappeared from popular culture. And and again, there's a bit of irony here that that this was the kickoff of of I think you know, and and you probably have a really good perspective on this, but this was a kickoff on sort of the renaissance of. Of, of World War II returning to popular culture. So it was right on the cusp of Brokaw's Greatest Generation coming out. Um, obviously, Private Ryan had a huge impact, but but there was still a drought. It was still not not even an afterthought in popular entertainment at that point. And so long, long story short, too late, 
uh, he's like, I want to make a game. That's how that's how kids are going to learn about the war. And the way that I had victory at sea in combat on TV, I want to I want to I want to make this game. And he knew he knew that he wanted to call it Medal of Honor. He knew that he wanted it to be an FPS. He knew he wanted it to be about, uh, uh, you know, he, this is before the term, you know, boots on the ground was, I think, a, a thing is related to games. But he, I want to put you in the boots of a soldier in the European theater. I'll be back in a week to see what you have. <laughs> and it was like, ah, you know, so we had to take that dinosaur game engine and, oh God, you know, quickly build some Wehrmacht and, and, oh God, you know, and we built, you know, we, you know, and this is on the PlayStation one. So thank goodness, you know, we were able to, we're able to bailing, you know, bailing wire, chewing gum, kind of put something together. Um, and he did come back a week later and, and boy, shooting Nazis was fun. Um, and it was, it was about as basic as it can get. And he's like, yeah, greenlit, go, go, go. And, um, and almost two years to the day we, we shipped, we shipped, uh, uh, November of 1999. Wow. And that, that was the start and that was PlayStation one. And, um, but a lot of what, you know, you fast forward to, to you know, 2020 when we released above and beyond, I mean, that, that, that game was very much a spiritual reboot of that first one because it was European theater um it was playing a single soldier it was oh you know uh, that we had oss as a narrative through line as in the first game uh, and then as as you mentioned in your intro you know we revisited the concept of what the gallery could be uh, and we had that all the way back in the original playstation it was just archival footage you know uh for those of you who are technically minded in the audience you know it was running at 320 by 240 resolution <laughs> you know that's what the playstation put out at fm full motion video 15 frames a second i think um, and to then, and, and it was all just pre-cut archival stuff. And to be able to go from that to what we did in the 2020 game was, that was one of the most fun and, and just, uh, you know, life-changing experiences. So yeah. that, that's, that's the origin. And then, you know, it, it, you know, it, 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 it ebbed and flowed as a franchise over the years. Um, and it was just, it was really great to be able to come back and, and again, sort of treat it like, uh, or come at it, um, as a as a spiritual reboot of of that original game yeah well i was uh this will probably disturb you to hear but i was one of those young teens one of the young early adopters of the original medal of honor game with my playstation and you know medal of honor underground uh medal of honor allied assault and you know having played games up to that point you know world war ii games up to that point were typically war games you know i was playing things like um uh, Microsoft Studios uh, close combat series. I was playing SSI's uh, Panzer General, uh, and Medal of Honor really came through and was remarkable because it had this kind of cinematic sensibility to it, which is not, I guess, not a big surprise because DreamWorks. Uh, but then also all of those great, uh, you know, kind of archival newsreel footage that were included in that game uh, was really. Uh, amazing, you know, as a as a young player to, to get that kind of uh, historical material into a game, you know, even though uh, the resolution <laughs> wasn't maybe what you would hope. But, you know, I guess in some ways, you know, with the newsreel well, footage as it that, was, that, it was probably okay, you know. Oh, well, let me say, look, I, I that it warms my heart to hear that because that's that's you were the audience we were making it for. I mean, that is so that's so wonderful to hear. And it was, that was, a, it was a hard, I mean, I, I, a lot of, a lot of late nights, long nights, all nighters. I mean, that, that was, and it was, you know, a re relatively speaking, a small team compared to what you have today making games. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's a joy to hear that because that's, 
and and now you're hosting a podcast talking about <laughs> about history. I mean, that's that's the dream. That that's exactly what Steven's vision of of what he hoped the game would do. Mm-hmm. And and that's so great to hear that it had that impact on you. Yeah, well, mission accomplished, I suppose. All right, well, let's let's jump ahead 20 years and let's talk about above and beyond. And I'm curious what drew you and your team to uh, taking the Medal of Honor series and putting it on virtual reality, using virtual reality. It was, you know, like a lot of things, it was it was a crazy out of the blue opportunity and just things kind of falling into place. Uh, um, you know, what, what's the expression? Luck is uh, opportunity meets preparedness. Um, we had at Respawn been talking about rebooting it. And originally it was, we were talking about in, in, in at least electronic arts parlance, we were talking about it as an HD reboot. So doing it for consoles and running on TV and, um, and Oculus, you know, now Meta, but Oculus came a knocking and, and, you know, they're great partners and they were a joy to work with. Um, and they have been looking f- for something to, to partner with Respawn on. And this is, you know, early on when we kicked it off, the Rift, uh, for those of you who are up on their, their VR hardware, you know, the Rift was the, was the thing that was the state of the art and, and it, and the VR hardware world has evolved so quickly that by the time we shipped the game, the Rift didn't even exist. They had stopped manufacturing it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's how it's a, it's a testament to how long it takes to make a game, but also just how quickly the, the hardware is evolving. Um, but they wanted to partner with us on, on something. And again, it was one of those kind of lucky, uh, you know, we'd been talking about it and what, what do we want to do? And, and they were really in, enthused to to work with us, so I, I flew up to to Menlo Park and 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 met with the the you know small team up there. And Mike Dorn, who was our executive producer, was in the room and and, and a critical part of making this game. And you know, I I, I pitched, and, and it was one of these things that you know I talked to Vince, who's, who's my boss at Respawn. And it's like, well, this would be amazing. This would be amazing to do this, but. It, 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 it's got to be a big triple a crazy, you know, it's got to be a triple a game that's running that that's on the platform of VR, not, not just sort of a, a, a quick, a quick in and out thing. And so I went up to Menlo park and, and, and pitch it to them. And, and you go in and you go into those situations where you swing for the fences because you're expecting a no, you're expecting like, Oh, that's, that's way beyond the scope of, of what we thought. And they, you know, they bought it in the room. It was, it was so great. It was a really like, this is the vision that we have. And they're like, that's what we want you to do. And like, oh, okay, that seems like hot. Great. How, how does VR work? How do we get a headset? You know, it was, and it was a crash course in just building out a development pipeline, you know, cause you have to, there's no way to build a VR game without, um, you know, being in the headset all the time. Uh, you know, you can fake it on a screen when you're do, working the editor, but, you know, you have to, you have to be in the headset and, mm-hmm. you know, the VR, VR creates memories in a part of your brain that your brain associates with real life versus watching something on a flat screen, like a movie or TV. So looking back at the development of, you know, I have memories of playing above and beyond that feel real, but I'll tell you the development of it, it in my memory banks is, is a whole different experience than any other dev experience I've had because you're just, you know, you're walking around and looking at things and, and, and like, Oh, here's Mano's, uh, you know, Mano's house. And like, just as that comes to life and the props get added and, and, and it gets lit and the, the ambient sound gets added. It's just, 
it to, to say it's magical is a disservice to to I mean, it's just, it's a very authentic, real, emotionally affecting experience. And so to be able to, to have the privilege of getting a crash course in, 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 in VR hardware and the pipeline and how do you make the game for it? Um, and, and then being able to spend year, you know, literally, you know, a number of years working, building it up was, was just a, a real privilege. And, um, and, and it just, and, I mean, the, the everything's heightened in VR. You know, mm -hmm. when someone's shooting at you in VR, your brain—you know, you're—you know—you have a headset on. You know, you're in a in a in a simulated environment, but you just react emotionally, and that you know that you're physically affected when you take the headset off. It's 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 a crazy experience. It's yeah. a it, it 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 is a self-verifying miracle how how good it is and how good it yeah. works. Yeah, it's really incredible. I, you know, I think for myself, uh, I had a friend who had a Oculus Rift dev kit, and so I would play some of those early games on that. And you know, a lot of them were kind of like uh, glorified carnival games. Uh, but I managed to get a uh, Oculus Quest Two for Christmas, and I was playing above and beyond. And you know, it's it's a really truly fleshed out game. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, got uh i think it's seven story missions uh and but each of those story missions are i mean they feel hours long or at least physically uh oh, when yeah. you've got the headset on they feel really substantial and there's all sorts of different experiences within uh you know each of the missions and throughout the campaign uh and you know i think what really you know like you were talking about the kind of emotional you know physical nature of the uh, the quest in particular, you know, if you've got room scale VR that doesn't require towers, doesn't require its own separate room, uh, you know, you can have these wonderful experiences. And, you know, I play uh, this game and others uh, down in my living room uh, after I cleared off all of the, uh, the Legos and the toys that my kids leave on the floor. Uh, and, you know, I have moments where, you know, I'm in a Medal of Honor mission and I'm ducking behind my couch, you know, or if somebody came along, they would find me ducking behind my couch, avoiding enemy fire. And that kind of experience just doesn't exist uh, in the console space or the, you know, PC space. And it's great. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, from your long experience adapting World War II for games, were there any particular parts of this VR game that you were most excited about? I mean, was there any part of, say, World War II history or soldier experience that you were most excited to try to adapt for virtual reality? I have a very specific answer. But first, I want to say, hey, I love the carnival. So I love carnival. I love carnival VR games <laughs> as well. So it, it, it and that's I mean, it's VR is a platform. And I think that's one of the great things about it as a platform. It's, it's matured to the point where just like you can have casual games on HD or mobile, the, the VR, is a VR is a platform, not a genre, mm -hmm. right? And so I think there's such a great wide swath spectrum of, of, of experiences. But to answer your question about, uh, 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 about what we wanted to accomplish with VR, it really, and, and it's a very specific moment, and it, uh, it's genuinely... This sounds this sounds so dumb to your audience, but I got so emotional that I teared up, and that re rarely happened. That like tear up if you're really tired in game development. But normally, like in the course of of making something, oh, you could say that's cool or that's fun. But it was very very early on when we first got the headsets and were 
figuring out how to compile the game in, in VR. And we had a we had a we had a really nice high res model of a of a, of a Heinkel one eleven, um, and it looked great in, in it looked great in Maya it looked great in the editor, and and we were just and and it, and so we had built this sort of test test area that that we were to get up and running on the headset, and so we threw this threw this model in there and scaled it up so it was the right size, and then you know you go into the matrix you go into the and I remember suddenly seeing it, and this is a plane that the last flying version, you know, the, there's only static versions of it. The last flying version, I think, sadly crashed at, a, at an air show, you know, a number of years ago. So th this is this is a plane that had such an impact on world history, right? And it doesn't, and it and it's and it's gone. Like you can maybe see it in a museum, but you certainly it's going to be because they're only static. You can't get close to it, right? It's always going to be behind a, a rope or something. And suddenly, I was standing in front of one. And I had to duck under the wing. Phys <laughs> I had to physically duck under the wing. I could stick my head up into the wheel well, well where the mm -hmm. gear went. And suddenly it was like, oh my God, it's like a time. This isn't a headset. This is a time machine. Mm -hmm. And I spent so much time just walking around that model. And like, this is, this is what it was like to be on the flight line while one, before when these took off to go bomb, you know, go bomb the UK. It, it just, it was just it was and it was an emotional in that it was an emotional experience like oh my god the, the revelation of how real this could feel because that the thing about if you've never done VR it, it's hard it's hard to describe a, a sense right uh, uh, in the se and se sense sense of the word but it's it's not it's not just that you're they're like a TV screen is up close to your eyes. It's stereoscopic. It's 3D. So mm -hmm. you are you are perceiving depth, and where you are the camera. So where you look is is what you're is 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 what is in your field of view. So immediately your brain feels like you're there, and you can still have like robot hands and not have any feet. But just the fact that where you look is where the camera is um, is such an important thing. And and the fact that you are experiencing the it's the true 3d there's depth to it it that's that's how that's the magic of it that is the sense of presence that people talk about and so that that just had that one bomber was when i knew oh my god this we again i used to say this all the time to the dev team uh we're not making you know this is not a headset you're putting on it's a time machine you're putting on and yeah that's and so as we built out the game and you know one of the We've gotten a we've gotten a lot of people people rightly you know especially the PC version it was 170 gig install like it, that's a massive game but I, I and I think we maybe in hindsight could have done a better job of why it's that big it's because I was just thinking about this the other day you could read the maps <laughs> you can you can you can pick up a map and read the map yep. we put in the highest level of detail the highest lot for everything because you can. Get up and close to it, and that just that exponentially increased the file size. But it, we tried to the part of the European theater of operations, circa you know 1943 to 1945 that we're building out. We wanted it to be as authentic as possible, and yeah. So when you're in, in any given space, you can pick stuff up and read it yeah. and look at yeah. it, and you know go up to the texture on the wall, and and you know I used to this is this is a true little factoid the the amount of data in just one Wehrmacht uniform and and again people who had had to you know who 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 again 
absolutely justifiably like it's a big file install. There was more data in the Wehrmacht uniform for one soldier than the entire original Medal of Honor game. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, the original Medal of Honor game was only even shipped on CD. It was only about 300 megs of actual wow. data. Wow. Um, and then the rest was actual, you know, Redbook audio files. But th- that's a, a Wehrmacht uniform in the game took up, I think, probably four or 500 megs of yeah. space. And but that's but you could see the stitching, you could yeah. see embroidery. And that again, that's the whole time machine element of it is, is, you know, often when you're making an HD game, you build out these beautiful LODs and then you down res them because A, no one's ever going to be that close. Um, and B, you know, you're doing it for, for performance reasons or, or storage space. And, and here was an opportunity, like there's ever a time to go all in on shipping high res LODs. It was this, and I'm glad. And so over time, hopefully it'll serve as an artifact of, yeah, you can, cause I mean, we were scanning, you know, photogrammetry and yeah. this stuff yeah. and, and just trying to recreate, I mean, the grom, you can see the grommets in the boots, yes, yeah. right? Where the laces went through. And again, people may say that's stupid. And yeah, if it's a game about combat and stuff, do you really need to see the grommets, the boots? But I felt like, God, we have this opportunity. What if we're going to be in VR? Let's let's go all in. And and again, Oculus was great partners on this. They were like, yeah. I'm like, I kept saying, hey, the file size is getting bigger. And they're like, <laughs> is the shit cool? Like, yeah. Well, then keep keep putting it in. And so I, I hope it it serves as a as a, do, a historical document to some regard because it yeah. is super high res and 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 that's why like in the we have we, you know we built out these quartermaster level uh, areas yes. before you started yeah. a mission where I was going to ask you about that put, yeah yeah we put all the uniforms on mannequins just so cuz when you are in the in, in it, when you're getting shot at or shooting at Nazi you're not going to hey let me see those patches <laughs> we we create environments where you could just spend as much time as you wanted oogling at that stuff and 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 looking at that detail and that was that quartermaster conceit was, yeah, here's an area where you can just pour over the stuff and spend as much time with it and, and play with it without worrying about getting shot at. It's in this safe environment. So yeah. that was the genesis and it ended up being a really good way to kind of launch the player into the mission anyway. But yeah, that's why we have mannequins wearing the uniforms mm-hmm. in a non-combat mm-hmm. environment. So you can just, oh, that's cool. And, and, and yeah. Gate- yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things I appreciate the most about this game is that, uh, you know, the times where you're not actively playing a campaign mission are some of the best historical moments in terms of material culture from the past and from that era. And, you know, I could think, too, where the game launches you and it's kind of in like in a dormitory in Whitehall uh, where you can go through and walk around and you can interact with uh, documents uh, you can look at the map, like you said, you can read the text off the map, and then there's also a record player, and you can, you know, read the record and then put it on. Uh, and it's just, it's great, I, you know, I think, you know, not just a fun game to play, you know, a World War II game to play, you know, an illustrious history uh, in that regard, but also, like you said, this kind of, uh, you know, elements of material culture that you can get from this game, and it obviously took a lot of work, you know, that quartermaster section, um, I'm not sure many other developers would even bother, you know, like you said, but uh, it's nice to hear that at least you got the chance to, to put those elements in. Cause I feel like, yeah. like you said, a lot of those type of things, those historical touches often get left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And, and we tried to put, 
you know, the, the fun thing about game development is you, know, you build the model and you, it's, you build it life size, but then you can scale it down and then it's a prop. It's a, oh, you know, the, the people in the back, the, the boys in the back made this, this model of this, uh, you know, of this PT boat for you to look at. And it's, you know, it's literally the PT boat shrunk down. <laughs> but, you know, we worked with a, a wonderful actress who voiced Huxley, who's the quartermaster. And my God, we, we were, we recorded, I think well over a thousand lines just with her of her giving context, you know, that we had sort of three tiers of, of lines for each thing in the court where she would give you the, the, whatever the relevant gameplay info you needed. And then there would be some historical flavor mm -hmm. uh, that, that we tried to weave in in a very sort of natural way. So it wasn't like hearing a Wikipedia entry, but it's, you know, um, and, and, it, and then it, it was fun to kind of give her a little personality because, you know, she had, that character had lived through the blitz and, you know, had, had her, had, had some very uh, strong opinions that, that she was able to work in as well, which, which I think was kind of fun to give voice to this, you know, give, give voice to the people that, that had to live through that, that normally you wouldn't maybe encounter in a World yeah. War II game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy to hear that, that you appreciate that. Again, players can skip all that. It's just to start the mission and start shooting, shooting the bad guys. <laughs> but yeah, we, there's a lot in there for people to to kind of explore and play with and 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 yeah and God forbid learn something but that that, that that's that's sort of the secret the secret the secret motive. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, great historical content, could you tell us a little bit about how Above and Beyond's gallery came together? Bob, can I get that was a pretty good segue I served up for you. Oh, right? thank you. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, like, like I said that, you know, just the, just the way there was an opportunity to sort of reboot and reinvent, reimagine whatever kind of cliche word you want to use the game proper. It's like, Hey, what can we do with the gallery? And it started with, uh, you know, me, I, you know, and Anthony Giacchino, who, who was our, our, our director on it, uh, on all the gallery stuff, you know, we still refer back to the email I sent him where I'm like, Hey, you busy right now? I've got an idea. I, I want to run something by you. And it was, it, it, the kernel of it was, was there an opportunity to actually do some new scholarship instead of just edit, doing what we did previously, which was just edit archival stuff, which can be great. And, and especially archival plus infographics plus, you know, contemporary scholarship can be a really great enlightening thing. I, I love it. But we were like, is there content we can create here that's original to, to, to cut in? And, and Anthony and I had worked on the original game back. You know, he had he had been uh, he had helped source some of that archival footage. And from that point, you know, to now, you know, he had become uh, an acclaimed award winning uh, you know, documentary filmmaker. Um, and so talking like, hey, is there is there an opportunity to to film? film some veterans. Like the simplest was like, well, the greatest thing to do would be film some veterans. It would be great if it makes sense to maybe go to some of these locations and shoot it uh, and maybe shoot it. And, and, and then it's the idea of shooting with a VR camera as well came into play. But it, the simplest idea was, you know, maybe there's something we can do with just getting some, some testimony, you know, getting, getting some, some, some testimony from people who were actually there. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, you know, that was the kernel. And then, you know, we partnered with Honor Flight uh, Long Island. You know, Honor Flight's an amazing organization. We, we ended up partnering with the Long Island chapter. Um, and a, just a great crew of people there. 
Uh, and we embedded on a, one of their flights uh, that went from, you know, they, they went from Long Island to Baltimore and then, and then, and then took the guys in to see the World War II Memorial and, and get a tour. And then, back to Baltimore that night and back to Long, Long, uh, uh, Long Island that night. And so we embedded on that. And I, I flew to Baltimore and was waiting there. Anthony and the camera crew got on the flight in, 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 uh, in Long Island. And then we all hooked up and with some local crew that we had in DC and, and just filmed it. And just to see like what would happen. And it ended up being, you know, it ended up being an amazing experience just to, to be a fly on the wall to you know to see how you know how, how it affected these guys uh and also just be blown away by the logistical prowess of of honor flight that they're able to transport all these veterans the youngest is you know in their early 90s transport them safely from long beach to baltimore into dc and then all the way back out again in one day and everyone made every, every you know <laughs> everyone has a great time everyone you know everyone makes everyone who started the mission returns from the mission. I mean, it, it was just great to kind of see that in action, but Anthony and his crew shot just, a, we had, we had two units going, um, capturing, and, and, and we did some, we did some sort of spot interviews there that some of them made it into the final, the final gallery. Um, and we, you know, we got back and, and it was an amazing experience. Like, Oh my God, this was, this was great. And then we started looking at the footage and it was like, Oh my God, this is, this is, this is really compelling. And we started just pulling snippets out and showing it to the everyone at respawn you know we have an all hands meeting every every monday morning so i started just coming in and you know after the titanfall 2 update or apex you know it was or jedi fallen order update uh -huh. it was like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna show a little clip and and we would get people crying you know all these pardon game developers and you know we would get people crying just from these little clips and, and emotionally affected and and spurring discussion you know i would have people come up after these like my grandfather, you know, was a veteran or my great grandfather. And it just and it was doing what that original Medal of Honor did, which was spur conversation mm -hmm. and spur a dialogue. So we knew we were onto something. And that became part of the pitch to Oculus, which is like, look, in addition to the game, we want to have a really robust gallery. And again, they were all in. And especially the idea of being able to intercut 360 footage with a VR camera yes. um, of these locations, which which you know was really uh rewarding to, yeah. to do and it just snowballed and 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 it was first it was just gonna be interviews and we you know so we did that that dc trip then we um then we did a trip to the world war ii museum in new orleans with them then we booked a stage in brooklyn and just did sit down interviews with with a, gr a group of guys and and uh um and that's where david and gill uh um you know and frank who uh really you know were were you know, had what it, it was such. A, I'll put it this way: it was such a gift that they wanted to share their stories. Right? Yeah. They, they, you know, that, that, I mean, that this all hinges on them wanting to share. This all hinges on them talking about these things that were the seminal moments of their lives. You know, good and 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 off, obviously bad and and beyond anyone's imagination who, who who wasn't there. And so their generosity in wanting to share these stories and and take the time and you know, come out to Brooklyn, you know, get, you know, come out to Brooklyn, get a little, get a little makeup on. And, 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 and truth be told, they love, I mean, they love the pampering was part of the fun part, like, you know, hair and makeup, <laughs> like that would, that was always a joy to see a, a, a guy, one of the guys go through that, but it, it just, it, and, 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 and it, it was just wonderful just to capture these testimonies and, it, and, 
again, it's one of these seminal moments. I was on a call, you know, Anthony is based in Brooklyn and we're out in LA. We were, we were on a production call talking about those Brooklyn interviews and it came up like, God, wouldn't it be great to, because we had very specific stories, you know, Frank talking about, you know, crashing in his crash landing in his glider. glider. Yep. Yeah. You know, on, on D-Day plus two and, and, you know, David's story about his best friend, Smitty, who gets killed on the first day of comment. And then, you know, Gil Blum, um, who just passed recently, who I loved. I, I mean, he, I, I, it's hard for me to talk about him. Um, just a great guy. And, you know, his story about going through the forest and the little kid jumping out and waving, stopping their, their column of chaffy tanks, that, you know, that was such a powerful story. And we used to talk about, God, would it be great if we could at least, you know, we'll never be able to pinpoint the exact spot, but go to the forest and, and shoot that. And it came up as a, as a, as a joke, like, wouldn't it be great if we could take the guys with us, yeah. right? Oh yeah, that will, yeah, we're going to, yeah, that would be great. But how on earth would we ever do that? And then it was like, pause. And then like, well, what if we could? And, and it just snowballed. And it was one of these things like, first we talked to the guys, would you, is this something you're even interested in? They were all like, yes. Um, and we talked to Oculus, like, okay, this is going <laughs> to, the budget's going to go up a bit because suddenly this is becoming, you know, a much bigger thing. And they were, oh my God, this is amazing. Yes, yes, yes. They couldn't have been bigger supporters. And then we partnered with folks from Honor Flight who knew how to how to move, organize how logistics, to, again, safely, yeah. safely transport a, a 90 plus year old veteran and their, and their, 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 their guardian, their, their companion. And, 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 and each of the guys brought family along too, which was part of the wonder, you know, Gil brought his granddaughters and his wife, um, Sandra, who's, who's wonderful. And Frank brought his extended family and, and it, and then it became a huge thing of going and scouting and finding these places. And with Gil, it was, scouting the locations finding finding the right finding the place finding the work camp that they liberated on the outskirts of Nordhausen and and working with the local historians and work you know it was, we found the f- actual field Frank crashed in and matched his glider you know found his service records and f- matched the glider number with a photo yeah. that the mayor of the town yeah. this little th- I mean it was just that was one was, of my favorites was that glider story yeah, that's and, amazing and just, the, the the behind the scenes of getting doing all this was 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 crazy and an adventure unto itself, um, and and then and then we just one by one you know took 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 David over took Gil over took Frank over, uh, and then ultimately you know as we got into this mode then and then you know uh, then we met Colette and that you know that became its 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 own thing. Uh, unto itself and, mm-hmm. and so it's just what i mean it just it, it was year i mean we worked on the gallery as long as we worked on the game i mean yeah. we were we, we shot that 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 baltimore dc trip before we had any game code up and running because wow. it just so it just it, it, it was it was i mean i look back and i can't believe how much we did and and how hard you know anthony's crew worked and 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 the team on our side and the oculus team and and just and, and then the families and every, you know, all the veterans that, 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 again, had to be generous with their time. They yeah. were giving us yeah. a gift. Yeah. Um, and it just, oh, my God. I'm so that, – and that's the artifact, right? That yeah. is that the, someday the game software will be obsolete, but those, those testimonies and the footage 
you know, Frank, and, and, and again, you know, the, the moment that we're in Normandy with, with Frank Agolia and uh, we come across, and, and that was a day of, like the night before we found out about Eve, who, who was the young man on the, who was there at 16 on the invasion and now, you know, an old man, but still on the farm. That was like, oh God, could we get over there and find, and, and it just, that meeting, that, that exchange between Frank and Eve and Elise, um, you know, who is our, our French producer, who, who won, who's one of the, who won the Oscar along with Anthony. That's her translating off camera between the two of them, oh. and that just that was that was serendipity. Yeah, that was that was just dumb luck that that came together. <laughs> and then, but again, the craftsmanship of the crew, Anthony's crew, Rose Bush, who was her DP, you know, just everyone, Elise, who was like running around getting it like okay we got it, you know because you know, we're on a schedule trying to, to capture everything that we need to and that moment of them embracing each other and frank embracing even it's you know frank saying, you were there yeah were there holy holy you know expletive it's just that was <laughs> yeah yeah and that and that will live forever right yeah. long long when we've moved on to holograms and you know virtual whatever whatever people are playing games with years from now yeah that footage least is, is captured and exists and, yeah. and that's that's that i'm i'm so happy we did well it's an incredible collection and you know i think what you were talking about earlier getting to the kind of personal and emotional side to the second world war i think is so important particularly as we are moving into a phase where we don't have any uh, first person perspective uh or at least you know the veterans of the war are uh passing away and so it's it's difficult to get that same kind of uh uh, resonance uh, and uh, you know so this collection from the gallery is really powerful in that regard and you know I think it's interesting from my perspective having grown up with Medal of Honor and other World War II games it's it's really exciting for me that oh, these types of games can be a vehicle for that kind of future historical memory uh, I think in a really positive way you know through uh, this game but then also the gallery mode uh, that y'all put together. And I think it's also interesting to me, you know, uh, having heard, you know, the story of Medal of Honor and the way in which it's inspired by uh, DreamWorks and Steven Spielberg for it to be kind of, you know, cinematic in its origin, or at least its inspiration. And then it feels like it's kind of come full circle here where, you know, this development team puts together a gallery mode that wins an Oscar. I just think that that's, that's fascinating. It's crazy. Yeah. It, no, that it, it was a, yeah. What, what Colette ended up doing um, and the impact that the, the Colette, the woman and Colette, the film. Um, uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's beyond look, if you went back in time and told us back in 1997, when we kicked us off or 1999 when it shipped that this is what would happen. I mean, it's like beyond your wildest fantasies and dreams, you know, it's yeah. just that, that it work out that way. But um, yeah, it's just what a what a privilege to 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 be able to to you know to be able to to, to work on stuff like this. It's just it, yeah, it, it's an absolute privilege. All right, so Peter, I've got a last question here for you, and it's about the Second World War in games more generally. Uh, so you talked about how Medal of Honor kind of kicked off or helped to kick off a renaissance and looking at the Second World War. Oh, I, wait, wait, I want to be clear. I want to be clear. We we were surfing that wave. We weren't the caught. It, it was Private Ryan and Greatest Generation, and yeah, well, no, we were we were only we were a mere 
we were caught up in that wave. We were, we, it was, it was other, other people doing it. Well, we speaking as a young teen of that era, you know, I think I would think of Medal of Honor first before I think of the films, but uh, that's just right. my perspective. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. That's great to hear. <laughs> uh, so, but anyways, you know, Medal of Honor, original Medal of Honor, part of that wave of uh, kind of new second world war histories and memories. And I feel like recently with video games in particular, we've gotten kind of another wave. Uh, you know, we've got Above and Beyond. Uh, we've got a lot of indie titles uh, that have come out recently. Uh, we've also got, uh, you know, games from uh, competitor groups, uh, Call of Duty in particular. And their last two, uh, last couple of big games were World War II games or historical games. And I'm just wondering, you know, in terms of history, what is it about the Second World War in particular that makes it so compelling for developers and for players? I think there, that's a great question. And, and I think there is, and since we're on a podcast that delves into detail and nuance, I'll, I'll give you the, 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 the what, what I, I think is, is at least from my perspective, because, because I, it is something I have thought about for the last two decades. Um, I think just first and foremost, and, and, and Let's first caveat that just as there are a million ways to tell a story in a film or a TV show, there are a million ways to make it arguably more with a game because the, the, the game style, whether it's a, a, an FPS, a top-down strategy, uh, uh, something that's a little more indie adventure kind of like there are, there are more ways from a, there, there's so many ways into telling a story about World War II via gameplay and genre that 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 you can count. So um, it, the 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 first thing is that it, it is it's an it is one of the most compelling stories, if not the defining story that still is in that's affecting our lives today. I mean, goodness, I mean, just when you think. It's history. It's not right. Just when you think it's not relevant anymore, oh, it is in the biggest way possible. Um, so it's it, it is just a compelling story. It's, it is it is a human story, right? At the heart of it, um, for it, it, and and so if you have a a powerful story, that's that you start you start with that, and then from because games are an interactive medium. And I can I'll just speak about shooters because that's the first person shooters, um, you know, which which I've been involved with. It you know it, it is there's a natural match between the game mechanics of that genre and the story that that that, that you're telling. And again, combat is just one. I shoot combat is only one one piece of the World War II story, but it's one that is that lends itself to 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 uh to the genre and so that's sort of the second thing the third thing and this this is getting very practical but it's a it's it's combat that was conventional it ultimately you know birthed uh you know the atomic age and the rocket age and the jet age but uh and the information age you know but it, it is a conventional experience so it's it's very personal it's it's up you know you're not sending smart bombs you're not piling drones it's you again there are all sorts of stories to tell but there there a lot of the combat story is about the personal experience and so that lends itself um you know to the experience uh 
And and it's you know and again this is something we talked about with the at the World War II music uh, museum symposium, you know it, it's it, it is incredibly simplistic and reductive, but it, it, the the at least from a Western audience standpoint, the good and bad is 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 fairly defined. And I know that I know that is an I know there's a lot to unpack from that and and its perspective in 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 in, in one's own history, but. You, you put all that together and that's why it's, 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 uh, it's something that can be, and, and the stakes couldn't be higher. It's the stakes couldn't be higher for very, you know, for various reasons. So you put all that together. It, it's potentially a very compelling interactive experience. And I think that's why you see it revisited so many times in different game, you know, in different games, in different genres coming at it from different perspectives and, you know, my, and I'm maybe anticipating your next question, you know, if it gets someone, at least in the, the World War II stuff I've worked on, if it gets someone interested to want to know more, if it sends someone to look something up, or the best case scenario is seek out someone who was there, which sadly is, is a harder, much harder thing to do these days. But if it, if it gets some, if it ignites someone's curiosity, if it ignites someone's imagination, then that is the that's the true dream, right? That that's art, art as you know, art, art, and I absolutely believe games are art. You know, you're listening an emotional response, um, but you're hopefully inspiring them to learn more about it. And if that then sets them on a path like like you've had in your life, or uh, or or just allows someone to understand the the historical context about what's happening right now in the world. Then oh my god! Then then we've lived up to our potential um, uh, as, as an art form, and that's that's always the goal. And so you, you get them in the door. Hey, it's fun! You're shooting Nazis, and you're gonna throw <laughs> grenades and blow stuff up. And then you get them in the door. And then if you do it right, they when they go out when they go out when they go out the door, they're like, oh, I I want to know more. I want to learn about this, or I have a slightly more informed perspective of, uh, about the world. And that, that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. Well, that's a, I think a great note to end our conversation on Peter. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Bob, it was a delight. Anytime. That does it for today's episode of history respond. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to see more of our work, please visit historyrespond.com. And if you really enjoyed this episode and our work, please consider supporting the show on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash history respond. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.